The FT. Assets matter just as much as debt. November the twenty fifth, two thousand and ten. Crises have always led to intense discussion of the role of the state. The present one should be no exception. The immediate danger has not passed. Just look at events in the eurozone. But the time has come to look at the longer run implications. This is particularly important when one considers fiscal consolidation. And on this, I make a simple point: it is not just about debt. It must also be about assets. That the challenge of fiscal consolidation is large is indisputable. The new economic outlook from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development argues that, and I quote, merely to stabilize debt-to-gross domestic product ratios by no later than 2025 requires strengthening the underlying primary balance from the current position by more than five percent of GDP in the OECD area on average. Tightening by more than eight percent of GDP is called for in the U.S. and Japan, with the U.K., Portugal, Poland, Slovak Republic, and Ireland all requiring consolidation of five to seven percentage points of GDP. End of quote. It is inescapable too that much of the consolidation will and should fall on spending. This has now turned out to be unsustainably high, given reductions in potential income. Yet governments should not sacrifice the future to the pressures of the present. What is the sense of cutting spending today if the result is a still poorer country tomorrow? This point turns on its head the refrain that we should, at all costs, avoid burdening the future with additional debt. We should indeed avoid burdening the future with unproductive debt. Yet productive debt is not a burden, but a blessing. What then is productive debt? That is a question raised by a thought-provoking new paper from Oxford University's Dieter Helm, an expert in utility regulation. The kernel is the idea that all societies possess infrastructure assets, which should be thought of as systems. Transport, energy, and water systems are examples, but we also have education, health, market, financial, judicial, defence, and political systems. The more complex the civilization, the more complex are its systems. The creation and development of such assets usually involves the state as provider, subsidizer, or regulator. The reason is that they all have public good characteristics; thus, they would tend to be underprovided in competitive markets. Neither in thinking about policy nor in measuring the economy or public finances do we ask whether we are augmenting or running down such systems. But that is surely what the idea of sustainability is all about. Professor Helm recommends as a guide that we should, and I quote, guarantee that we will invest to pass on infrastructures at least as good as those we inherited. End of quote. But he adds, and I quote, to sort out the intergenerational issues, it is immediately apparent that we need to account for the infrastructure in the broadest sense. End of quote. I agree. Such accounts would, of course, be highly imperfect. But if we did make the effort, the absurdity of slashing public investment, or, for example, almost all state support for university teaching, as the UK government has done, would be evident. Not least when the treasury can borrow at a real annual interest rate of just about one percent. Never can there have been a better time to build up public assets. For some reason, Mr. Helm does not seem to see that that is what any sensible person would recommend today. I find it hard to understand why he rejects such Keynesianism. He argues that the UK should shift spending away from consumption towards investment in the long run. 
and I agree, the world as a whole should do so. Yet in the short run, with demand below capacity, even borrowing that raises current consumption will be better than leaving resources idle. The fact that some residents, future taxpayers, may then have to pay a little more to other residents, future bondholders, is surely a second-order issue. Some insist loudly that one cannot solve a problem caused by too much debt by piling on more debt. But that is plainly wrong. In the US and UK, net debt is close to zero. Thus, debt is not a burden on society as a whole, but an obligation of some residents to others. As Nobel laureate Paul Krugman points out, debt matters only because of who the debtors are. If, for example, these debtors suffer an unexpected loss in net wealth or are forced suddenly to repay, the impact on the economy is bound to be fiercely contractionary. If the state can borrow to offset this effect, it should do so. That would not impose an overall burden on a society since net debt would remain close to zero. If it also raised GDP above what it would otherwise be, that would surely be a very good thing. Nevertheless, Mr. Helm's bigger point is absolutely right. We should think hard about assets. Borrowing is no sin, provided we use the funds to ensure that we bequeath a better infrastructure to the future. But unsustainable consumption does need to be curved. So stop focusing only on the liabilities. Look at the assets, too. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.